Hey, this is Dan Grubb, and right here to my actual real-life right is Aaron Fletcher-Smith. How yeah. about that? Yeah, yeah, how about it? This, this has been uh, more than a few handful of episodes in the making here. This is wonderful. Yeah, we uh, are face-to-face about uh, almost two years in the making, well, a year and a half in the making, and it is the Dan and Aaron Lycorama music awesome we saw spider-man and it was really good it was aw- it was very 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 good it was yeah. dope we're we're buzzing yeah. from how good it was it was super neat the audience was cheering yeah uh everything yeah, like throughout the whole movie, every yeah. 10 minutes or so, everyone would start clapping and cheering. Yeah. It was yeah. the best kind of crowd pleasing. Yeah. Yeah. Without spoiling too much, characters would show up and the whole audience would just explode into applause. I was impressed. I was downright yeah. impressed. It was excellent. Yeah. So, with that feeling mm-hmm. of, boy, that comic book thing made me feel great. <laughs> Uh, this episode, we're talking about some of our favorite arcs yes. over the years and yeah. decades in uh, comical books. Um, so I'll flip a coin or a coaster, <laughs> and that's Aaron. Okay, all right. Yeah. Well, do you want this I'll... side or this side? Uh, I guess I'll just start. Do you I want don't... feedies or top? Uh, I'll do feedies, okay. I guess. Wow, well, <laughs> feedies has it. Um. Uh, I guess I'll start with Dark Empire. No, no, I'm no, I won't. No, I'm gonna start with Dark Phoenix. Yeah, okay. I'm gonna start with Dark Phoenix. As I, long I'm gonna as it's dark, with, I'm gonna finish with Dark Empire. Um. So, Dark Phoenix Saga. Where to start? Um. I absolutely I mean, love Dark Phoenix Saga. I mean, and, it's definitely unlike the Mount Rushmore. Yeah. Of arcs. Yeah. I, I absolutely love it. And the reason that I love it is because it is so bizarre. And <laughs> the number of things that have to, the number of variables that have to occur across all of the worlds of X-Men to pour the threads into this one, like, I, that, that, the, I have like a graphic novel version of it. And it's like a 20 or 30 uh, comic arc to get to the end of the Dark Phoenix saga where, like, she finally sheds herself of the Phoenix and she, you know, is able to control it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I, I recently picked up the, the, the graphic novel compilation of all the original Claremont um, comics together that show the original, original uh, story. And... There's just so much going on. And that's the thing that I love about it is it's like it is quintessential X-Men in that there are uh, so many variables that have to occur. Uh, You have to have that. And I know I'm going to get some of the names wrong because I don't have Dark Phoenix in front of me right now, which I was supposed to have because I was coming down here and I was going to do this this comic (laughs) book episode. And of course, I didn't pack either of the comic books I was going to talk about. So Dark Phoenix, that was uh, that was Flash. And uh, Captain Marvel. That is exactly right. And Shazam and Flash. Right, right. And Green Lantern. Yeah, hanging out with Pogo and Garfield and Felix the Cat. 
Yes. Yep. Yeah. That. Yeah. yeah. And the Ninja Turtles popped in. Yeah, I think that was the 1982 Avengers. Um, <laughs> so no, um, there's so like Professor Xavier has to have interacted with the Shi'ar Empire right. prior to Dark Phoenix. Yeah, the Shi'ars were involved. Yeah, he in has Lalandra. to have known Lalandra yeah. by the time that the Dark Phoenix saga starts because right. they are. The X Men's uh, escape hatch. Um, they have yeah. to have introduced the Hellfire Club to some extent, but not fully fleshed it out. I think, like prior to yeah. the Dark Phoenix saga, That's the Hellfire Club gets hinted at, but it's not the, the the and then a member of the Hellfire Club. Um, uh, what's her name? Um, Emma Emma Frost. Frost. Right. Yeah, Emma Frost is. It, I could. It she. It has to have been hinted that she is part of this nebulous club in some way, shape, or form, prior to her being part of the Hellfire Club's process of um, mesmerizing uh, Jean Grey and convincing her to come join them. Right. And then, like, so you've got the you've got that half of the story. And then she's like, yes, and I'm, I'm back in the 1800s, and oh, no, and, and, and I guess I'm in love with you and not in love with Scott. And then... Yeah, this when whole it, sort of, uh, it's almost like augmented reality. Right, right. And then when they break out of it, it's that's when Dark Phoenix goes like freaking nuts. And yeah. man, they visit, like, I swear, in the span of like five pages, they visit every freaking like world that the x-men had the comics had like introduced by that point because they're like flying past the shiar empire yeah they're flying past uh, it might be scroll ships it's like they're just name dropping and name dropping and then finally and this is the part that still blows my mind they're battling it out on either the moon or a moon that has like the runes of an ancient civilization on it. And I think the runes of the ancient civilization are supposed to be ancient Shi'ar artifacts mm. or something like that. But, um... Um, I'm trying... Because the... If you ask... Um... I'm blanking on the guy's name. Chris... Cle Chris Claremont? Claremont. If you yeah. ask Claremont, it's yeah. Macron. If you watch the TV show, it's Emcron crystal oh that's right yeah the Emcron crystal yeah, yeah that right. was that right. was the shiar head yeah anyway no right and that's anyway, the only thing that can, can can encapsulate the dark phoenix and separate it from gene yeah and the shiar have to concert the shiar and uh professor xavier have to concentrate all of their mental energies to to get gene and the phoenix separated from each other but it's the reason that I love it is because... Yeah, good. Because that was like five minutes of gibberish, I just realized. We're sitting there like, and then this, and also this, but also this. <laughs> it's like, and then the... Yeah, show up, right. And then the... <laughs> tells that they need to get the... Right. <laughs> right. So, let me say the reason. So, yeah, yeah, that's great. Here's that's great the now. reason I love Dark Phoenix. It is everything about... 90s x-men and 90s marvel that is so 80s uh, yeah well yeah it was early 80s i thought it was 92 that yeah. could be wrong I, I i welcome the correction um yeah it was it might have been okay like maybe 82. it was late 80s um but it required so many bits of story to have occurred before 
and it kicks off so many bits of story that occur after. It is an amazing kind of conflux point in the middle of the X-Men storytelling. And um, it is just batshit insane. It's just balls out insane how many things are going on in that story. And yet, as a comic book reader, a reader and particularly a Marvel comic book reader, you're like, <clears throat> oh, yeah, all right. You're like, Okay, yes, take me along for this ride. I would absolutely love to see it. And yeah. Dan off camera uh, secretly showed me that it's actually Dark Phoenix is 1980. So that's nearly 40 years ago. Jesus. Oh, yeah. Over yeah. 40, yeah. yeah over 40. And it was like pretty much the whole year. Yeah, yeah. Most of the, most of the year. Yeah, and like my... Uh, you know what? I thought of another one that I'll do, but um, I'll let you go uh next um but um it's another marvel one we'll do i'll do civil war in a bit okay but um but yeah what what drew you what 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 hits you in the gut about dark phoenix so much i watched the the marvel com their cartoon show yeah and i was confused as hell <laughs> by what happened during the dark empire saga i was a little kid and i was like there's space and now there's 1800s and there's lasers and what is going what you know, and I just yeah. remember being a kid and being absolutely confused by it. And then, like, maybe 10 years later, I'm in college. And they're rerunning X-Men on the, the college, like, public access channel. And I watch it again. And I'm like, okay, I'm starting to get it, but still space and now right. Hellfire Club and now Psychic Inner and what? Yeah. And, so, and it, I mean, it is, it's like... A year of continuity mm -hmm. compressed into 22 minutes. Right. Or it was probably a two-parter. No, so. it was a five-parter. It was a... Oh, because, that's right. Because once a week. we watched it again recently with our daughters. <laughs> and this is my <laughs> third time watching it as a cartoon. And finally, I'm like, all right, all right. I don't get every bit of this. But I do know that we're about to check a series of checkboxes. Yeah. Hellfire Club, Space Lasers, and the Emcron <laughs> Crystal. We got them, you know. And, and then, so, yeah, it's spread out over a hundred minutes. Yeah, and, yeah. But, like, but the, it, yeah, the thing that I really... The, the other piece of it that I enjoy is that... And this is more so that I enjoy it ruefully than I really enjoy it genuinely, <laughs> is that every time that a filmmaker sits down and looks at his writing staff and puts his hands on his uh, hips because that's that's what I imagine happens. Yeah. You know, they do the Wonder Woman pose and they stand in the writer's room and they go... And they have those writing pants. The yeah, they have, yeah, yeah, they have the big, <laughs> like the golf pants, writer pants, you know, and they're all 1940s chain-smoking men like yeah. in a 12 Angry Men scene room. And they go, gentlemen, today we're going to do... The Dark Phoenix Saga. And I, I, I just feel like... Sir, but sir, that won't be written for 40 years. <laughs> We're doing Dark Phoenix. You know, know. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm the boss. Yeah, right. By the way, this is Marvel. Uh, <laughs> this is the writer's room in Marvel. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's me, Jack Marvel. <laughs> yeah, right. And over there's Fred Marvel and over there's Tom Marvel. Yeah. yeah. We're the Marvels. Yeah. <laughs> up, up there on the top wing is Captain Marvel. Not to be confused with the Marvel sisters. <laughs> yeah. Singing all those wartime hits, or the or the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. <laughs> yeah, 
the it was very confusing when it was the marvelous yeah. Miss Marvels yeah. and her sisters yeah. Marvels, yeah. Marvelina. They had to change the name Marvelessons because there was a brief period of time where the comedian referred to herself as the Mazeless Miss Marvel, and they realized that yeah. that just was not going to work well, this out. Doesn't so make she just, any she sense. Just swapped it out. Yeah. yeah. By the way, it's a good change. This is like the fourth time I've referenced the marvelous Mrs. Maisel on this show, and I still haven't watched it. I my wife has watched it, and she says that she loves it. I just for some reason heard good things. Yeah, I've only heard good things. Well, I I don't have anything negative about it. The um, uh, the woman who does uh, Lewis's voice on uh, Family Guy is like the 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 buddy or the plus one, the co-host, oh, okay. or the cohort, or something like that. And that's all I know. And then also that it's good. Also, that the name itself lends itself to really good jokes it's about comic books name. for some freaking reason. Anyway, so um, what's it? Brett Ratner and and Brian Singer. They did uh, right. with with Fomke Jensen and Patrick Stewart and all them. They did. Like early two thousands, they did X Men Three. They did Dark Phoenix, and it's pretty good. I mean, it's not bad, bad, but it's like they certainly, you know, they had to cut a bunch of stuff in order to do the storytelling. You know, the the cartoon had a hundred minutes, yeah, spread out over a week. I remember it was every Mm -hmm. day after school, right? It was on that week, right? And it was devoted to this chunk. Yeah. And yeah. they, you know, they got like an 85. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, was a little like, you know, you're sitting there scratching your head. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would say a solid B plus for their effort. Yeah. And I think I think the viewers had to get used to Jean Grey saying something besides, Scott! Yeah, I would agree with that completely. I would um, agree. Like, oh, she's a whole character. Scott! That's weird. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, and, uh... But yeah, and and but this was a hundred minute movie, mm-hmm. and what two thirds of it was Dark Phoenix. Yeah, yeah, and they they had to compress Dark Phoenix so that they could get that done. Yeah. at the same time that Magneto was off getting his army of mutants to go right. you know, beat stuff up. Yeah, yeah, it was it was kind of that and kind of Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. Oh uh, yeah, of, right, right. And like a little bit of the acolyte. Well, they also kind of a they, thing. they also had to sneak in there that they needed to do the beast uh, mutants are people to you know sure. senator uh, on the Congress floor scenes because if you're gonna pay for Kelsey Grammer, you might as well use Kelsey Grammer. Yeah, you know? yeah, <laughs> that was a fucking amazing set of scenes. Anyway, yeah, yeah, he was great as Beast. But no, I mean, so like that early two thousands X Men, it's just okay and it's 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 also if picture in your mind an early 2000s comic book movie and it's that yeah that was what it was there was the spider-mans right and there was the x-mans and blade yeah and and that's it that's it we we didn't live in an era of iron man and onwards yeah 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 and, and it it was it was it was it was it leather. was good for what it was. Yeah, it was black leather. Right. It was uh that was around that was probably around the time of uh, the uh, Daredevil movie and the Elektra movie. It was. That's right. God, Which, who was who was so first Daredevil Dare, was, was uh, Ben Affleck, right? Affleck, yeah. And then and then Elektra was Jennifer Garner. Jennifer Garner. Yeah, yeah. that was round one of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, um, 
And well, then, yeah, it was that sort of like, yeah. well, we're not gonna. I mean, we can't commit to this. Yeah, nonsense. right, right, right. And so they chose not to do Hellfire Club, and they chose not to right. do all the crazy stuff, which I totally understand. And yeah. I think that's a justifiable decision. Sure. Because for 2003, I, that's what you right. yeah, play it safe. I'm not a We're purist. Not going crazy. Yeah, I'm not a purist about the story because the story is ridiculous. Yeah. But we don't need space aliens. No. They tried it in Fantastic Four, and it was like, right. so these space aliens, huh? Yeah. 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 Uh, <laughs> yeah. They, and and uh, yeah, they didn't. They, and and the other thing is that you didn't really need the Hellfire Club. To step yeah. in and mess with Jean Grey's mind. That was the one thing that I... So there's the two, the early 2000s one. And then there's the one that they did uh, two or three years back with Sophie Turner from Game of Thrones. Yeah. As, Dark Fe- as, as uh, Jean Grey yeah. and then later Dark Phoenix. And that one, each time that Hollywood does it, I think they get a little bit better and a little bit better on yeah. the way that they want to show... That Jean Grey has been really messed up psychically, mm-hmm. and how she's trying to work herself out mentally. Yeah, because they like this last one. I remember sitting through it with my wife, and I remember she and I kind of taking a step back from it and going, "That was pretty good. It yeah. was a bad movie, but it was a good <laughs> Marvel X Men movie. You know, like, I didn't think it deserved the lambasting it got." No, because quite honestly, like Sophie Turner and James McAvoy doing the the trial and the trauma of going through being um, being Jean Grey sure. with the Phoenix overlay. I mean, they did a pretty good job. They yeah. did a pretty good job. I would say they did almost a better job than Famke Jensen and and all of that group of the the early two thousands. Yeah, Patrick. But again, for the same reasons, which is they had you know Dark Phoenix was. A third of that movie, whereas Rise of the Phoenix, the the one that they did with Sophie Turner, they could devote the whole movie the to whole, doing yeah. it. Yeah, but again, it's like you know, Hollywood is it, like as Hollywood chews the fat on that narrative each yeah. time that they get to it. I think they figure out more and more what needs to be there mm-hmm. to show. Okay, Jean Grey is more than just you know. Oh my dear Scott. Right. Right. And that there is a level of complexity and depth to this character that yeah. comes with the psychic fuckery that's going on between her and, and Professor Xavier. And the one thing that was really good about the Sophie Turner one is that they, they do finally highlight something that I didn't catch until I read the Claremont comic. Yeah. And I didn't catch it until the third rewatching of uh, the cartoon show, which is... There are these subtle drops that if if you're not paying attention, you miss it in the dialogue where Xavier is saying over and over and over again, the mental blocks that I put inside of Jean Grey are breaking down. Right. The mental blocks that I put inside of Jean Grey in order to protect her from herself right. are falling away. And when you take a step back and you think about how severely fuck that is yeah for this character who is supposed to be the noble hero and leader of the x-men it's like he went in and he messed with her mind so severely that he is closing doors to alternative like routes of thought yeah that gene gray could have access to in order to figure out her full potential yeah and he went into her brain and was like you can't no. have this yeah yeah and that was that is the it's other piece. Really, really, like you say, when you take a step back, it's like, yeah. 
hey. Yeah, right, right. We don't do that. Yeah, like that's, I guess, in the it's, course of yeah. like storytelling, that would be like mind rape, you know? Like that's equivalent or, to like... Or very laser precision lobotomy. Yeah, yeah. It's like what yeah, lobotomy like psychic was... psychic lobotomy, yeah. It's like what lobotomy... Which is, you know, gruesome and brutal, but right. what it intended to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's like yeah. the, yeah. And and it was that, this is the thing that I really like about Dark Phoenix, is that each time that I see a different retelling of it, or each time that I go back to it and reread the book, uh, the comic book, there's these little bits that come out and it's like, oh, this is way darker than I remember. Yeah. This is more severely fucked for everybody involved than i remember <laughs> scott summers is such a like scott summers is a victim amongst all of this because sure. he has fallen in love with jean gray he has no concept of how powerful she is yeah um, none of them do yeah yeah he could die at any time simply for being in love with this person that has the power of the universe in her body and mm. it has been denied to her by someone that is like very much a puppet master who has allied himself with Scott. Yeah. And so the moments in each telling of the story where Gene looks at Scott and says, you agreed with professor Xavier that this was the okay thing to do. And yeah. Scott consciously says, yes, Gene, professor Xavier told me that he was going to do this to protect you and to protect us, the X-Men. Which is also manipulative yeah. of Scott. Yeah. It's or, like... Or, I mean, Xavier is manipulating Scott, is mm-hmm. what, I'm, mm-hmm. what I mean to say. The grammar wasn't there. Yeah. But it's like, where Professor Xavier is bad for doing that, I almost feel like Scott is equally bad, if not worse, for being yeah. like, but I'm going to love was, you. He but was I'm... tricked into it, but yeah. he still did it. Yeah. He yeah. went along with it. Yeah. It also makes you wonder how much, like, Scott was puppet mastered by Professor Xavier. Ex- yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what but, I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's... And there was, I mean, there was a great uh, mid-80s uh, X-Men cover where uh, uh, Kitty Pride, the cover is just her and a big word balloon. Mm-hmm. Professor X is a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. He sure is. Yeah. Yes, Kate. He is. He's a very broken dude He's when you really like up. dig into it. Yeah. Oh man. And like that revelation also goes back retroactively. Mm-hmm. You know, whenever they're like, oh, and also this happened, mm-hmm. it goes back retroactively. You're like, oh my God. Right, right, right. This You this, can't do that. This speaks volumes <sighs> to like how weird these characters truly are. And also how like, um horrible they are to each other without yeah. telling each other because they can't tell each other at that point in the in the story universe and like there was i'm trying to remember when the story occurred when when the issues came out that um it must i, I feel like it was recently that uh before the original five <clears throat> x-men there was another x team that cyclops was on who got lost in, I think, the Savage... No, in Krakoa. No, no, I think it was the Savage Lands because Morph was lost back there. And Morph was part of that cast of, of 
pre X Men that had gotten lost. Okay, and, it, and because Scott they tell that the story team. directly following the Dark Phoenix saga in the cartoon show. Oh, in the now car- it could be well, further on in the Claremont comics. I think, yeah, but I think further on it. I, I feel Morph like it was, was an X Men that got abandoned, but I don't know if right, it's right, the right. same X Men. That was in like the first episode. Yeah, yeah. he I don't got know left behind in the Sentinel attack. Yeah, no, this was another thing where it was okay. a, a different team. Yeah, um, and yeah, Iceman, Beast, Angel, and Gene were not on the team, but Scott okay. was. All right, and um, everyone got killed. I think Dude. on Krakoa. Okay, all right, and uh. And uh, X was like, well, that didn't work. I guess I'll get some other ones. <laughs> Professor X and, pulled up, uh, we're going to need another Timmy. We're going to need four more Timmys. Yeah, right. It was either when they got the original team or when in 75 when they got uh, the giant size, when they got Wolverine and Storm in them. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I forget which it was because uh, it's midnight. Um, but he also like mind wipe cyclops so we forgot about it that's the which is other... like oh yeah. that's not okay yeah the number of times yeah. not only cyclops individually but the whole team yeah. has been mind wiped yeah. i mean i understand why they do it for storytelling purposes but oh my god but yeah when but after you know 50 years of this comic almost yeah yeah uh yeah 63 to yeah 2021 almost right. almost 60 years you step back and you go over the last 48 years <laughs> you've uh, you've done a lot of things chuck yeah all right uh you look at the score and you're like that is a lot of KOs and TKOs <laughs> yeah, right. these are these are not good yeah. statistics my friend right 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 uh, these are very very traumatized people maybe you should not be in charge of a school for gifted youngsters <laughs> yeah, exactly right right maybe uh yeah maybe yeah. you should be like in space, yeah. uh, uh, under lock and key with the Shi'ar right. or the Kree or somebody. Yeah, you can go be... to the uh, the dimensional prison, the one that they locked everybody in during Civil War. God. Yeah, um, yeah, a bad guy. So yeah, that's 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 my um, my little blip on it's a on, very good one on Dark Phoenix is, and I guess so. The two bits of it are like the the things I love are that there's an abundance of content to Dark Phoenix. Yeah. And everybody that retells Dark Phoenix now chooses bits of it that they want to focus on. Mm -hmm. And they do a pretty good job. And the thing that's cool about it is that if you enjoy each iteration of X-Men and you kind of soak in each retelling of Dark Phoenix, you go, ah, okay, I missed this bit and I missed that bit. Yeah. The other thing I like about it is that it, it highlights much more clearly how insidious Charles Xavier truly is. Yeah. And, yeah. Which is something that is, I think, buried, um, at least, you know, I remember reading through that giant size X-Men, and it doesn't really take center stage. Xavier's, like, you know, trials and, and the things he's doing to, like, try and reach out to Magneto, take, you know, or take precedence, and, and, you know, the X-Men are played as a team. But when you... Take a step back and you look at Dark Phoenix and, and you think about, you know, oh, well, he's messing with people's minds. He's messing with his allies' minds. Yeah. It's like, oh, dude. Okay. Yeah. You're a little bit 
more insidious than we all, you know. When yeah. you look at Charles Xavier as like the dossier in the back of the Marvel comic, mm. it's like there's more to this guy than just that. You yeah. Know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and and something else that happens in Dark Phoenix that I think could, because it's such a huge story, mm-hmm. um, it's always like the oh yeah of it, and that is. Uh, she destroys a planet. Mm-hmm. Straight up with all the people she on it. She consumes yeah. a planet yeah. and kills a billion people. Like a population, like a and, civilization. Yeah. And, and moves at right first, <laughs> At first it's like, well, that planet, anyway. Yeah. yeah. But then the Shi'ar are like, hey, you killed a planet. <laughs> yeah. That's what Galactus does yeah. and he's a bad guy. Yeah. He's right. like top tier threat. Right, right. You don't yeah. get to do that. Yeah. That's is... not okay. Yeah. yeah. And it and to have because there's I mean comic books have so much collateral damage. Mhm. Mm-hmm. It's like and I I my interest is always peaked by things like damage control. Yeah. Where it's, you know, once the fight's over, mm-hmm. someone has to come in and yeah. clear the rubble yeah. and lay a new foundation right, right, and right. rebuild the first three floors of that building. Right, right, right. Um, Somebody has to turn the city back into a functional city from the wasteland zone yeah. that the superheroes just left it in. Yeah, yeah. you gotta yeah. get the subway running again. Right, right, exactly. Because every villain comes to New York, and so messes like, with oh subway my God. trains. <laughs> um, yeah. But the fact that they're like, no, that collateral damage, you no, there's consequences for your yeah. actions. Mm-hmm. You don't get to do that, mm-hmm. and that is like. Yeah, yeah, you should do that. You know, Spider-Man is a menace. <laughs> right, yeah. Let's spend a little bit more time on that. That's, yeah, yeah. You know, if that was real life, and of course it's not real life, that's mm-hmm. the whole point. Right, right. Um, but yeah, you're, it's fun to once in a while go, but yeah, what if we did treat them like uh, they should have a moral or an ethic? Or yeah, something? right, right, That'd right. That'd be interesting. Yeah, and also... Uh, why is the rest of the world put back together by the time that we pan across to the next scene? Yeah. yeah. Meanwhile, exactly. everything's fine. Yeah, right, right. Uh, so that's yeah. my that's my my dark phoenix, and there's a thread that that you pulled on there that uh, we'll talk about later. I'm going to let you uh, okay. talk for a little bit, but when we get to the other one that I want to talk about, Civil War, there's trappings of the same thing that you were mentioning about the realistic repercussions in Civil War. Yeah. That I want to come back to, but we'll, yeah. we'll get to that. And then, uh, yeah, anyway. Um, yeah. So my first pick was, uh, this is from 1989, and it is a three-part arc of uh, adjective list Batman. Okay. Uh, it is 433 through 435, and okay. it's written by John Byrne. It is... The Many Deaths of the Batman. Oh, wow. Okay. And uh, the first issue is almost silent. Okay. Let me hand that over to you. Absolutely. Let you flip through it. There's almost no words in the whole issue. Of the Batman. Okay. And what it is, is uh, they find Batman stabbed and killed. Oh, wow. Look at that. And they're like, oh, my. Yeah, crucified in an alley. Right, and it's just the the police's reaction, the mm. coroner's reaction. Right, Jim Gordon comes in and he reacts. 
Um, and then there's another dead Batman. Hmm. And in the second issue, it continues with a few pages that are wordless. Mm-hmm. But then uh, they keep finding all these... They'll find another dead Batman. Hmm. And and it's never the real one. It's That's never Bruce Wayne. Interesting. And then... Uh, um, Oh, look at that. Dude, this has got Starfire in it. Yeah. That's so cool. Oh, that's right, because this yeah, is back in the DC the area whole... where it's the larger universe. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's uh nineteen eighty nine and then and but it's to see it over and over again and it's such a like wait, uh, what? And that's not Batman. You can't do that. Yeah. Oh, and that's and so it's cool. not until the end of the of the comic. Mm-hmm. It's not until the end of the first one right. where you're like Oh, it wasn't him. There's the scene from the beginning of the animated series. Gotham Plaza Hotel. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And then, and it ends with a second dead Batman. And then, That's so cool. And then the second issue starts with a, a third Batman getting killed. Right. And then each time you find a little bit more and they're like, wait a minute. I know that guy. Uh, he was America's greatest stock car racer and he won all the cups. <laughs> right. What? But how can he be Batman? He was right. paralyzed five years ago. Now, this is a Batman story where Jim Gordon knows Batman's Bruce Wayne. No. Right? no? He just okay. knows, no, that's not him. Who's So only Alfred knows that Gordon. That, yeah, that Alfred Batman's and Bruce like Wayne. Robin and right. a few others, you know, his close friends. Is this buddies. Red Hood? No, that's no, uh, just... uh, some dude. Okay. Um,. But it ends up it's it's a really great three episode arc, but um it turns out uh that all these dead Batman are mm-hmm. like uh a wealthy uh a, a, a like world class athlete and a fancy race mm. car driver and some you know, rich businessman. Right. right. And uh it's basically uh, they're being forced to dress in this costume, and hmm. one of them comes and is like, "Okay, I put on this farce of a costume. Let's get right. this over with." Right, right. And then he's like, "All right, I'm doing the thing that you told me to do. Now mm-hmm. what? <clears throat> Dead." Right. And uh, yeah, it's just it's such a really neat idea because mm-hmm. yeah, no one knows who he is. Right. Right. And so you could put a guy in the suit and kill him and then right. you're the man who killed Batman. Right, right. Um oh look at this. And then here they are going to Bruce Wayne to get more information. <laughs> look at that. That's cool. Oh yeah, because it's like happen until Oh, you worked with this guy, right? Right. Oh, that's so cool. And I think um that he becomes one of the targets. And he's like, all right, Mr. Wayne, put this on. Yeah. He's like, oh, yeah, God. I'm seeing that now. That's great. It's so good. Oh, and, that's so and cool. The, uh, when you find out who did it, mm-hmm. it's a it's a cool twist and it's really fun. And and it's it was some I I I there's no era of Batman that I don't love. Mm-hmm. I love Batman. He's right. one of my favorites. I don't like the my least favorite kind of Batman is the the grisly gore, you know, Joker cutting his face off. Right. I'm like, that's too much, man. Right. Come right. on. 
uh, the, you know, after a couple days, it has flies buzzing around his mm-hmm. face. Like, that was a really neat effect. I'm like, wow. Yeah. That's yeah. nauseating. Yeah. Good job. Um, but when he's, when he is, um, the detective. Yeah. That's my favorite. When he spends the time seriously doing the detective work. Yeah. yeah. When he's sitting there yeah. going, but it, it must be this. I have to, right. and he like puts the pieces together. And he's slowly and fig- figuring it out. That's the, that's my favorite Batman. Right. And it, from the trailer, that's what it looks like. The, the, the Batman. One? Yeah. It looks that like it's going to be more of a. interesting for that. But yeah, that trailer, when he's in the, the dark hall and the guy's shooting a machine gun at him and yeah. he just keeps coming right. in the strobe. Right. Oh, man. Yeah, it's that's like, pretty wicked. Yeah. It's like, okay, uh, you know, little little wimpy vampire boy, little mm-hmm. little sparkly boy. Yeah. I think he can do a good job at yeah. this. I'm, I, I'm enjoying it. I really liked him in The Lighthouse. I haven't seen that one yet, oh, but I've seen that the pictures good. of him with the him beard and, and stuff um, like that. Was it was it Willem Dafoe or the other one who's like Willem Dafoe? I get. Uh, I think it's Dafoe, isn't it? I think it's Dafoe. I get yeah. him and uh, the other guy mixed up. Mm. The other one who who looked um, <clears throat> Willem Defriend. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I'm only fifty percent sorry because that was pretty good. <laughs> who goes there, Willem Dafoe or Willem, Willem Defriend? Defriend. <laughs> Oh God, that's terrible. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah, but uh, the one thing uh, the, while you're digging that up, the one thing that I will say that I really like about the new Batman trailer uh, is that, and and this comes back to my you know William H Macy. William H Macy. I get William right? H Macy and from uh, uh, the the Showtime show where they're in Chicago. Shameless. Shameless. Yeah. Yeah. from Shameless mixed up with Willem Dafoe. I get yeah. that mixed up a lot. But yeah, it was Willem Dafoe and, and Robert Pattinson. Yeah. And they're just like stuck in a lighthouse driving each other bananas. Okay. All and right. it's it's really good. I'm going to have to check it that out. It's very good. Yeah. Um, I, but you were saying the trailer. I was just going to say that the, the, one of the things that I did like about the trailer was that the, and and yeah, I obsess over the, the tech bits of all of these shows, but I did, I like when Batman is not ridiculously reliant on unrealistic tech. Mm. When the tech that he uses is just plausible enough that it would exist within our world. It's yeah. like, like, as much when, as I... Uh, he, used, he used everyone's phones, GPS, and microphones to find the Joker. <laughs> there are The bits, rest of that, 99% yeah. of that movie was yeah. awesome, but yeah. that one was like fine <laughs> yeah yeah there are bits to the christian because i think that the christian bale batman is the best batman that's that's my favorite i like that's bar none the like, voice was oh the, the voice, voice was goofy. silly the voice is that goofy. was very silly but otherwise but, yeah, it was, yeah it was good the was thing fun. that the, the thing that i was able to like kind of mentally hand wave in in that trilogy was that the bits where it was a little bit silly or a little bit scientifically implausible I was like, yeah, but this is also a Batman shared universe that includes a Batman the Animated Series and Batman the Brave and the Bold. So I'm going to be okay with this. I'll just go with this, you know. But I do really (laughs) like any Batman story where he's like, I have a knife, 
a grappling hook. I have like, you know, maybe a, a phone of some sort that I can contact Alfred with. And I have a beater of a car that will not be destroyed. Yeah. Right. And, and like, that's it. Yeah. You know, I love the Batman stories like that because then it's like, oh, okay, this is a dude that just armed himself with crap that he could buy <laughs> off the shelf. And now he's going to go, you know, deliver the maximum extension of justice. Yeah. You know? That's like, uh, if, if the Punisher was 10% less of a psycho. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You the would, Punisher, get but with pointy ears. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You get Batman. Yeah, yeah exactly. No, but, but he's rich, so he's good. Oh, uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. He's yeah. part of the triangle. Yeah, I just exactly. thought the, uh, when you said the beater of a car, if he had like a demo derby car. Yeah. And just didn't care what happened to it. Right. And just went around yeah. bashing. Oh, man. Right. That would be like a if good he, story. Like if he had like. Like. Like working class Batman, I guess right. that's Punisher. Right, like a 1976 like Impala or something like that that he had just <laughs> welded iron plates to and a pair of fins. Yeah. Right, and he was like, "I'm Batman now. Get the hell out of my way!" You know, like I'm for it. I'm ready to watch that. Man, yeah, yeah. yeah. Again, please never in real life. <laughs> This is yeah. a terrible thing. Yeah, yeah. Don't do any of these things in real life. I mean, there, Just, there's enough know. brutality within the law, let alone yeah. extra legal brutality. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like that. But the... Uh, yeah, I like that. I think my favorite... I think my favorite uh, live-action Batman is Adam West. Uh, yeah. It's kind of hard to I, not. No, you know? I don't hate any of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, even Batman and Robin... With Arnold Schwarzenegger yeah, and Uma Thurman, yeah, and yeah. I mean, it was very, very silly. Mm-hmm. It was peak silliness with yeah. the uh, the Batman branded credit card. God, don't leave home without <laughs> it. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, yeah. it was. Yeah. It was very goofy, but um, uh, yeah, I think Adam West is uh, is the one. That, yeah, like I, I still. You know, I don't hate George Clooney for no. that. I don't hate Val Kilmer. No. I think they did fine. Yeah. Uh, and it was it was 1998-ish. And that was yeah. kind of... The world was very neon. That <laughs> and is true. lasers. That, that is true. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I, I love... Uh, as Adam West said, the bright night. Or the light night. <laughs> yeah. One of those. I yeah. think he said the light night. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I can I can understand that. Yeah, I, I can respect that. I I could use a a, a kinder gentler, but the um, and could you imagine? I was just thinking if yeah. if in the new one, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the Riddler's coming and he's yeah. all edgy right. and violent, right. and then Batmite shows up from the fifth dimension. <laughs> Boink. Boink. Hello. Hey. Yeah. Oh, is it this version yeah. of Riddler? Oh, yeah. let's let's hear. Yeah, and right. then, uh, yeah, all of a sudden, um, Frank Gorshin comes in <laughs> with a big green spandex shirt. Yeah, right. I'm gonna get those jewels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And yeah. He, and it's and he had a Riddler off. That would be fantastic. I want to now. Now I'm like stuck, thinking after watching what we just watched. I'm like sitting here, like pondering a like Batman <laughs> into the Batverse, you know. <laughs> what if everything had be, a multiverse? Yeah, my God, that would be so much fun. I yeah. feel like uh, 
Did Brave and the Bold do that one episode? Have different Batman? I would bet that they did. I that, know feel, Teen... that feels like a... Oh, yeah, the Teen Titans. Teen Titans loves doing the it. the Teen Titans. Yeah, Teen that Titans did that, and that was fantastic. That was awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. But yeah, pulling in different versions. That's and uh, have you have, uh, on Supergirl on uh, CW? I have not caught up on the DC shows yet. They yeah. have a Mister Mixelpitalik. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, oh, that's yeah, great. he's popped up in. Oh, that's fun. Maybe three episodes. Okay. over right. the years, but like they got so far, uh, Brainiac Five from the future. Mm-hmm became a core member for the last few seasons okay you know so they're like yeah future time traveling brainiac yeah. why not yeah right, right. we'll just throw it in and it yeah, got right. it got so yes everyone go to space and alternate dimensions right. why not that they're like yes mr mixelpitalik is here yeah we're gonna do this too. <laughs> why yeah. not yeah right right yeah it's 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 fun that i uh so yeah and you guys you and um our other friends, our D&D buddies, have, have kind of very politely browbeat me a bunch of times about the fact that I need to catch up on the the, the DC uh, TV shows, the Arrowverse and stuff like that. Oh, I mean... I just, I, I, we, you know, we haven't. You yeah. Know. They there's look only, good. There's we only just, so many hours in the day. That's exactly it. Yeah. Um, and right now, I got to agree with Stan Lee, make mine Marvel. Yeah, know? I feel that. Yeah. I feel yeah. that. I do like uh, Legends of Tomorrow. Yeah, because I watched, they are the time idiots. Yeah, I watched like the first half of season one. I think I watched like five, six episodes of Legends of Tomorrow. And it's fun. It's just one of those where I just haven't rotated back around to it. Yeah, yeah. You know? Season one is uh, kind of typical CW. Mm-hmm. Season two, it starts getting goofy. Okay, all right. And every season is like, two, it's like another... Uh, logarithmic level progressively goofy. goopy, goofier nice it's just like nice. what if <laughs> uh, a 50 foot uh, talking plush toy appeared uh, yeah and the yeah. Vikings decided that that was their new god yeah that yeah. would be a good episode <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Bebo loves yeah. you yeah somebody links me that one and I watched that clip and I was like I don't know what I'm watching but i love it yeah it's so ridiculous yeah, yeah. it's just goofy yeah it's fantastic all right uh, so well, what's your next one um you mentioned yeah. dark empire and yeah, you mentioned I'm, I'm something gonna, else i'm gonna save dark empire towards the end um let's talk about civil war um, oh yeah 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 civil war is um <laughs> was the first time because this is um around 2004 2005 yeah so it was just prior to iron man dropping um yeah yeah there yeah the mcu wasn't around yeah yet. it was it was between the x-men movies and, and iron, iron man, man dropping yeah it was um it was my first major comic crossover event that i tried my absolute best to stay caught up on i don't know what it was it was like a switch flicked off in my head or something like that but i had there was a comic book store really close to, uh, it was across the street from the campus that I was going to school at. And so I would use, and this is at the same time that I was working at the airport authority. So I had a little bit of extra money. So I'd go over and I would, I would drop a handful of dollars on like whatever Transformers was going at the time, <laughs> whatever like Ninja Turtles was run, run was going at the time and whatever Hellboy was going at the time. And then 
one of the guys there, I got into like just a random conversation. And he was like, you know, well, if you like Mecca and stuff, you should really check out um, this uh, Russian artist's run on Iron Man, Iron Man Extremis. Um, oh yeah, yeah. And I cannot remember the dude's name off the top of my head. I, I'll I'll Google it a little bit. That here. was uh, that was Warren Ellis, I think. Well, the the was author, the writer. The yeah, the writer was Warren Ellis, but Patui. He yeah. ended up being a bad dude. Yeah. Now it now it's I it I, I can't let it escape me because the reason the reason that I I ended up reading that is mm. because of the art and yeah. I get it. So it's Iron Man, of course. Iron Man extremist, and that was the artist. And, so and that inspired Addy, Iron Man three. Addy Granov, yeah. Granoff. Iron Man three, um, uh, Spider Man's suit. All of them have the extremist armor, the nanotechnology. Yeah, the, all of that comes from that original. But it's it's, and I'll I'll, I'll show you the the Addy Granov, the artist, his. His imagery was just, it felt, it, it was the same level of like, you're right there in the comic yeah. that, um, oh God, what's, what's the, the DC artist, the, the one that Alex Ross, Alex Ross. Yeah. yeah. It's the same level of amazing art that Alex Ross did for DC yeah. and it just captured me. And yeah. I was like, this is amazing. I didn't know comic books could look like this, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. like every picture, every and, scene. And Iron Man's one of those characters where it's really easy to make him look right, like just icky. Yeah. Yeah. Too glossy or too shiny or yeah. too flat or mm-hmm. something. Right. And yeah, to get that, the in the in the images you showed me to, yeah. to get the sense of the mechanical yeah right nature. to get the idea of the volume of the suit as it wraps around him in fact yeah, like this all is of, a heavy piece of machinery yeah and it's complex and a lot of moving pieces but all, you don't want to be able to sit there and count a thousand little pieces yeah because right. it's a comic right and you need exactly. to be able to just every bit of um every bit of the Iron Man suit in 2007-2008, the Tony Stark, Robert Downey Jr. Iron Man suit is from whole cloth inspired by Andy Granoff's Iron Man. Mm. Like, if if you if you look at Extremis and you flip through the pages and you watch his armor, because he goes from having the clanky metal armor that he's working on, the user interfaces of, like, the, the, the blue hollow lights and stuff like that. Yeah. All of that. All of that comes out of the Eddie Granoff art for Iron Man Extremist. Yeah. And it just goes right into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah. And that was the that was the reason that I was like so in love with Iron Man the first time that I went to go see it as in a movie is because I had spent this time reading a bunch of Iron Man comic books. I had then the uh, Iron Man it was like at the end of one of them they were like this pours directly into Coming up next, you know, next right. year, Civil War. And I was like, I think this is a crazy decision on my behalf, but I'm going to try and follow every bit of Civil War. And I didn't know any of these characters up to this point with the exception right. of Iron Man. So I was buying Hulk and I was buying Thor and I was buying Captain America comics and I was buying the X-Men comics because this was in an era before like the schism, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. where X-Men and, and Avengers were told separately yeah, um, when they were 
yeah, the, when when the publishing company was, who are we downplaying this? Year? Yeah, exactly. In order to make sure that we make either Disney Lucas or Sony Lucas happy, or, or yeah, Disney who, Marvel or Sony whoever Marvel. whoever owns us this yeah, this right. decade. But yeah, it was one big happy family, and I think it's one of the last iterations of one big happy family because you had the X Men. Like, like Wolverine's healing factor was a critical component in bringing back this like robot clone of Thor and mm. helping him remember and realize that he was a robot. And there was like, <laughs> that's just a fun half of a sentence. <laughs> yeah, right. Wolverine's healing factor was a vital yeah, factor component in, yeah, of yeah. a robot Thor remem- yeah. coming back to life and, and realizing that he's a robot Thor. Yeah, that's like. Um, I love comic books. Right, and then there was there was the implication of should we really be sending all of these people that haven't registered themselves as mutants or superheroes to a dimensional prison at the other end of the, in a pocket universe? Right. There was like an ethical question about that. There was, you know, these people are trying their best to save the world. Do we really want to have them registered? And it was very much like, um, it was ethics, not, not met, not ethics, but like um, your beliefs mm-hmm. in like a code. Yeah, it yeah. was a code and the law, right. and you know what is a proper way to do things. Yeah, versus pragmatism. Yeah, where are the boundaries at the edge of your Venn diagram for what your morals and ethics are versus what is legal, and yeah. how far do those skew? If you are Iron Man, if you are Captain America, if you are Thor, if you are, you know, go down the list. Right. And that's what made it so amazing to me is that I knew a handful of these characters from the X-Men cartoon. I knew a handful of these characters from other comic books or or from, you know, 90s era, you know, Avengers. Yeah, there was a bunch of cartoons. Yeah. Starting in the night. Well, starting in like the 70s. Right. Oh, there's the other thing. Friggin' when when we've been watching the the X-Men cartoons with the kids... Like Captain America will casually be there, or yeah, or, or was, like Thor yeah. will casually be there. He showed like, up in World War Two with Wolverine. Yeah, like yeah, dropping just, people off and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was it was a good thing that Thor was there. Otherwise, we wouldn't have been able to, you know, blah blah blah. It's yeah, it's so beautiful when it's an interconnected universe. Um, and yeah, but yeah. So, um, I the other piece of civil war that I really liked, and this is the part that you and I were starting to scratch at earlier was the civil war. It may have been done elsewhere in other Marvel comics before civil war. Okay. But civil war really did a great job of really putting, uh, both like headlights on the damage control and the implications of a city reduced to rubble. And, The thing that I loved about Civil War was that between the pages of Civil War and each of the individual stories about the characters, they had all of these in the margins um, word bubbles where it was like, no, so-and-so is not available to help right now on this crisis because they're off rebuilding New York. Right. No, so-and-so is not available right now because Giant Man, Ant-Man is the only one that can turn into Giant Man and pick up the Bay Bridge out of San Francisco. <laughs> right. So, no, these people cannot come help you because they are cleaning up the damage at a pace as fast as we are destroying the Earth. Right. And that 
was amazing. Yeah. That was fantastic because to me, reading that, that brought the idea of an interconnected Marvel Universe closer together. Yeah. Because all of the strands of these characters and the impact of what these characters are doing on these cityscapes and buildings all of a sudden was made really real. Yeah. And I just like, I went gaga for every one of those comics. <laughs> as soon as like, as soon as I made it my way through the core comics, I was like, okay, this is great. I got to go see what's going on. Okay. Okay. And the X-Men are doing this. Okay. And then, and then, okay. And then Captain America's doing this. And then, oh, and then there's this damage control squad. And, oh my God. You know, yeah, yeah, and yeah. I was in it to win it, man. Yeah. And so there's, there is an entire section of my um, big comic book case in the ass end of the house, which is all that silver lining that they had for the Silver Civil War right. comics. And I'm pretty sure I didn't get all of them. Like, I think I missed some of the whole... I mean, there was a few thousand in... It was the entire was run for that year. Yeah. It was every Marvel character was involved in it for yeah, that it year. nuts. Yeah, yeah. And... Um, but that was uh, that was amazing to me. And the thing that was also cool about Civil War is that there are so many bits to the moral and ethical implications of being superheroes that came out of Civil War, the, the storytelling in the Civil War series that that became the fabric and the groundwork for doing the Avengers movies. And even though they did yeah. the movie Marvel, you know, like Avengers Civil War, yeah, that... Was it, it was more of a theme, yeah, yeah, than it was the same theme rather than the same story, yeah. It was absolutely watered down because they couldn't do it the same way that they maybe would have been able to do it now. With a cast of thousands, yeah, right, with a cast of thousands and every famous, you know, actor ever playing everyone, yeah. Um, but it all of the bits to the Civil War series made their way into the Avengers movies in one way, shape, or form or another. But most particularly in the moments where the characters are looking at each other and going, oh, we're fragile, and we fucked up, and we've also fucked other people up. Oh, and there's a cityscape to also go clean up. <laughs> right. Jesus Christ, maybe this is not the job we want, you know? Yeah. That was the thing that is just... Is this really how we should do yeah, this? Yeah, like, beyond just being characters that beat up the bad guys and then put their hands on their you know hips and go, we saved the city. It's like, that was the moment where I was like, oh, okay, gut punch. All right, you guys got me. This is good. This yeah. is really, really good. Yeah. So, yeah. Civil War. Uh, that, there's so much of it that, I mean, I am not a Marvel Comics expert. I have not read every Claremont episode, you know, every Claremont comic. I have not poured through it the way that you or the way that my friend Eric has. I don't know every Marvel comic, but I have these ones that I have come to that just make me come away from it and go, my God, this is amazing storytelling. Yeah. I'm just imagining uh, the Chris Claremont narrator going, Aaron Fletcher Smith has not read every Marvel comic. <laughs> He has not read even every 80s Claremont era X-Men issue, <laughs> but he'll wish he would. He'll wish that he had when he turns this corner and meets 
<laughs> whoever it is, the juggernaut. Right. And then right, you die. Right. And then, you and turn then the you're killed. Page, and it's the full spread. Yeah. Right. Yeah, the full spread right. of you being murdered yeah, by some. Yeah, by some random. By the brood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the one thing that I did I think, really enjoy. I think more people have been killed by his narrator than. Yeah. <laughs> That's absolutely if true. If his narrator says your yeah. full name, oh yeah. no! Yeah, yeah, oh, they do that. No. They do that very like detective <laughs> narrative intro, and then that dude is a pile of blood by page two and yeah. a half. Oh yeah. man! Yeah. Yeah. Oh well. Yeah. The yeah. city of eight million just lost one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And oh it's, yeah. boy! All right, so yeah, that's 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 yeah, my Civil contribution. War's a good Civil one. War. Um, should we? Uh, call this part one and then start part two or do you wanna... I guess we're at 180 no 1,000 we just hit an hour we just hit an hour yeah yeah all right this is part one well do you want to I mean I'm thinking I'm trying to think of how much of how long the rest will take okay um, and if there's like another ton mm-hmm. you still have some I've got yeah, I'm, okay. I, I've got one, maybe two. Okay. Well, yeah. why don't we call the? Why don't we uh, close down part one? Okay. Um, so yeah, so this is, I'll just just leave all that in. Yeah. Um, and that is the end of part one, mm-hmm. and part two will be back in two weeks, and that uh that patented, trademark pending, uh closing music goes. Ha ha ha